everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. This is Lori LeBay, your host and founder. And for those of you that are new to our show, I always just like to give everybody a little background on us. Um, bottom line, we're an advocacy-based company that provides multiple platforms to help people shift their dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And so we believe in joining forces and sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversations like we do on the radio um, with the world. Um, We just find that they're very, very powerful. Um, At our core, we believe collaboration is the only way we're going to win this battle against the disease. And I have to thank all of our listeners because um, you have really pushed us forward um, by your likes, your clicks, your shares with your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribes, your Pinterest peeps, your LinkedIn colleagues. Every time you um, tweet us out or Facebook us or, you know, whatever um, social media platform that you utilize, and some of you um, use multiple ones to help push our our content out, Um, it just acknowledges to the world that this is something that we have to deal with. It also makes it a little easier for people in our own sphere of influence to to reach out and feel comfortable getting the, the information that they need when they need it. So Again, thank you. Um, All of your likes and clicks and shares uh, got us named the number one influencer online, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And and recently, Maria Schreiber also did an article on our our work um, called An Architect of Change for Humanity. And again, that wouldn't have happened with all of you, uh, without all of you supporting us. So again, thank you. This is important work that we're doing together, and I really, really appreciate it. your support in that. I do want to make an announcement that we are doing a cruise and a conference um, in the Caribbean this fall, November 11th through the 18th. And it's going to be really kind of fun-filled, yet there'll be times to relax and rejuvenate and learn and come together as a community. We have actually four individuals living with dementia that will be featured speakers. And if you have watched us on the Dementia Chats, um, we're going to use a similar format to that, along with um, specific learning uh, breakouts as well and doing a memory cafe and so forth there. So today um, we have with us um, Craig Henke, who is going to be my co-host. And Craig is uh, living with dementia. So welcome, Craig. How are you today? I'm doing really good today. Well, great. Do you want to give people a little background about yourself? Sure. I'm 57 years old. I was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia and Parkinsonian symptoms at the age of 53. I was forced to retire. So now I'm doing work with dementia mentors and um, any kind of advocacy where I can do it. I, I try to do it. Great. Craig is also one of our um, experts on dementia chats as well. So you'll see his smiling face there and his, his uh, comments and insights. Um, Our guest today is Mindy Bolton, and she is a community artist, a dementia practitioner, and a certified dementia communication specialist. 
She uses evidence-based creative engagement to help people connect, explore, and create. And Mindy refers to her approach as Shay's Away. And she declares, I love this, she declares herself to be the least interesting component of the situation she finds herself in. So welcome, Mindy. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. And nice to meet you too, Craig. Uh, Me too. Now, Mindy, can you tell everybody, um, how did you come to to Shay's Way? Have you been personally touched in your family or circle of friends with dementia? Yeah. um, My my Nana had vascular dementia, and she is Shay of Mm -hmm. Shay's Way. Um, And she's no longer physically present, um, but I think of her daily in the work that I do. And yeah, she was born Shirley and changed her name to Shayla. (laughs) <laughs> and then shortened it to Shay. <laughs> okay. Oh, fun. Very fun. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, what exactly is creative engagement in your in your eyes? Yeah. Essentially, well, here, let me give an example. Um, Craig, what would you say is the most beautiful sound in the world? Craig, are you there? Or Lori. Okay. The most beautiful sound in the world to me, that's a tough one because there's so many. I love the birds singing, mm-hmm. but I love the crash of the uh, waves in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I heard birds singing on the way here. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought about making like a bird chorus with people, you know, give mm-hmm. them each a chirp and then everybody chirp away. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's an example of creative engagement. It's That was a... A technique I actually learned from Ann Basting, starting with the beautiful question. So what is the most beautiful sound in the world? And then Lori had to take a moment and think. Um, She got her creative juices flowing and thought um, the birds singing or waves in the ocean. And that preluded to, I have this idea about making a bird chorus. It's basically um, the opposite of small talk. It's asking open questions and basically working mindfulness and creative modalities into the way we communicate. Okay, wonderful. Um, can you tell our audience what is the mission of Shay's Way? And, the, when, and when did you start it? Yeah, I think I started Shay's Way like once I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, just having creative thoughts about my environment. Um, but in it, And really, it's always changing, but I think the most simple mission is to bridge intergenerational gaps and sort of gaps in understanding between um, people living with dementia, people not living with dementia, um, the old and the young, basically to connect humans Mm -hmm. in creative ways. Okay. So I think the intergenerational is so important, and I think it's so misunderused mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of getting people to relate. Because when when we have that intergenerational um, interaction, I feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like people loosen up a little bit. Maybe some people tense up, but I mm-hmm. think for the most part, people loosen up, and it's just a little easier to have fun because there's a... You know, especially with little kids, they just bring this sense of silly, and it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Do you ever see the opposite happen, where people are 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 get tense with intergenerational? Or it depends. I see people get tense in all t- all types of mm-hmm. environments, um, and I see people loosen up 
in all types of environments. But um, I would say that children definitely help lighten mm-hmm. the scene. And if I'm doing creative engagement groups, um, there are some places I'm at where there's naturally children hanging around. Um, Breck Holmes Residential Care in Bloomington is a great spot. There's tons of dogs that live there and um, young visitors all the time. And when I'm doing a group, the kid that might usually stand by idly, um, maybe even sort of nervous in the surrounding, um, I kind of pull them out with the different ideas and inquiries and they get really involved and they kind of associate it more with a fun environment than a scary one. Mm -hmm. So I think that's huge. I think if, if kids can have a fun experience in an environment right away, that can be lifelong. Yep. Oh, definitely. I was thinking of, um, scary if you if you ever run into I'm thinking teenagers dressed a lot differently sometimes and mm-hmm. and, and I'll see and I've seen this both ways um with people with dementia and just uh, adults in general some will really judge yeah and go oh scary person you know or and then others they don't see that at all exactly and they're just looking at the person and it sounds like that's really what you're getting at is for people to authentically engage Kind of at a soul level of of who they are. Right, and kind of surprise themselves at any time, Mm -hmm. at any age. Yeah. Well, that's neat. Craig, are you back with us yet? I'm back. Okay. Yay. We're not quite sure. We have this invisible thing happening today. That happens. (laughs) Yeah. So um, what are what are your thoughts in terms of um, Mindy's um, method called Shay's Way? in terms of getting people to creatively engage? Well, I missed part of it, but um, I think it's a wonderful idea. I know when we take our uh, youth group from church to the um, nursing homes and stuff, the the people really enjoy it. It's like their smiles just light up the room. Some kids have a lot to offer. They, they, don't, they don't think so, especially with teenagers, but... They have a lot to offer the elderly people with dementia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's one of our problems in society is none of us think we have something to offer the next yes. guy. And there's yes. there's so much to offer if we just be ourselves. You know, there's so we have so many more things in common than we have as differences. Yet those differences make such huge barriers that we're taught. Um, and and that always surprises me um, over and over and over again how people put up. I mean, we choose to put up walls, and we don't even know we're doing it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how we've been how we've been brought up. Can you tell us, Mindy? Do you find certain things stand in your way in terms of creating that engaging atmosphere and getting people to connect? Yes. Um, well, I would say on a good day, I would say nothing stands in my way. On a bad day, I'd have like a scroll of things that stand in my way. And on a wise day, I'd say that I myself stand in my way. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, I would say I'll start with myself. I think I stand in my own way. I know right away um, if I'm not being present, then I am not as good at creative engagement. So that's, mm-hmm. that is where it all stems from. And a good radar I have for myself is... Um, if I can't be creatively engaging to someone right now, then I don't think I'm really checking in right here in this moment. And I know that in um, when it comes to dementia care, that's brought up a lot, you know, be in the moment, be in the present. But I think it's a 
it's a moment to moment practice. I don't think you can say, oh, yes, I, uh, I got that handled. Mm-hmm. You know, I, <laughs> I'm officially present every moment from here on out. And I can predict that I will be in the future, too. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I think that's actually one of the amazing things about creative engagement is it does make you check back in. And if I have standards for others, like, hey, why can't they why can't they loosen up with me? You know, then I think to myself, well, are you loose? You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's a great, it's a great mindfulness exercise, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so I would say I stand in my own way. I would say that um, I think some of the the red tape in in environments can stand in my way. Um, a lot of times, it's hard for me to even get uh, the time from from some people in large communities to to be able to open up that conversation of what is creative engagement. I get a lot of like, well, what exactly do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of want me to have it all plotted out in a package with a fee mm-hmm. and very concrete. And, and the nature of creative engagement is not concrete. And so I think that people have this phobia. I actually heard recently that one of our greatest fears, even beyond physical pain is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you can address uncertainty, you can be liberated for a lifetime, you know? So that'll probably get into one of the later questions of how this has all impacted me spiritually. But yeah, so there is, there are barriers, um, always starting with myself and then going toward um, lacking a concreteness uh, to the programming, which I'm always working on. And I've got a lot of great mentors that kind of help me hone in and make specific curriculum um, so that I can convey the message, you know, in, mm-hmm. in all types of ways. Not everybody understands it right away, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. I have to go and do a poetry group or a storytelling group with a group of individuals and have somebody witness it. And that's when they go, oh, okay, I get it now. Now they feel yeah. it. Exactly. A feeling. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Yeah. I, I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see is er, that concreteness, that Mm -hmm. curriculum, that structure, and and the inability um, to think that it's not okay to be flexible. Yeah. If we're going to meet people's needs, we have to be flexible. We have to be spontaneous and we have to be trusted enough to be given that gift to give them so that we're in their space and not ours. Yeah. And, um, I, I think, um, I think so often with uh, larger organizations, um, it's it's this control thing. It's black and white. And, you know, one of the things that I always encourage organizations to do is to really um, allow their staff to make mistakes. Yes. You know, and not penalize them for that. Not that they're purposely doing that, but... But try. I think I think trying to engage is better than not engaging mm-hmm. or being so structured that now you've intimidated people and they don't want to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 when we feel like it has to be perfect, then we're going to have an edge to ourselves. Yes. And life isn't anyways. Mine has not been perfect. And, <laughs> and I would like anyone to you know, call me and tell me if their life is perfect, because I think we all have those moments. And, you know, being able to be fluid and be spontaneous is really a gift. And to me, it also shows a whole other side of an ability to care. Yes. And even if it's in a diverse situation, you know, you're, yep. you're still working through it, but you're not doing it alone. 
Right. And as much as I, I don't ever like to to label, I don't like labels. So I have a hard time sometimes talking concretely to people about the fact that I am a dementia practitioner is for me, all people are people, but of course, you know, um, but I will say that some of the most beautiful, spontaneous creative engagement that has ever happened in my experience is particularly, particularly with people who have dementia, because those, those quote symptoms of sometimes a loss of inhibition or, um, um, a mistracking of logical linear sequence that is fluid. That is, you know what I mean? That's, that's spontaneous. That's interesting, intriguing. So for me, sometimes the barrier itself is doing so much work with people who aren't experiencing dementia in order to get to the large groups of people who are experiencing Mm it. Um, you know, even becoming a volunteer can be tricky sometimes in long-term care. You've got to do the TB test series and have a full background check. And, you know, so it's like, um, all they wanted to do was volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. And I I totally understand the regulations, (laughs) but I think that's why Shay's way aims, you know, like through social media and casual conversations and even just loose consulting with people that I know, it's just kind of emphasizing to people, this is people being with people, mm-hmm. you know, and so much of creative engagement is applicable to any environment, um, corporate environments, for mm-hmm. example, um, schools, we see a lot, a lot going on in schools right now with trauma and mental illness. So I'm actually branching out and going into those environments as well. Um, and using creative engagement as kind of like an umbrella, mm-hmm. umbrella term for basically, feeling good about yourself and being able to be loose with people and communicate, have fun. Yeah. To me, um, when I think of creative engagement, I really think of camaraderie. I think of community. I mean, to me, that's what it's about. It's, it's about feeling accepted Mm -hmm. and honored. Absolutely. And, And those are words that we don't use on a daily basis when we interact with people and I think it's very, very needed, especially in the kind of toxic world we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, more walls and barriers um, than there are bridges and, yep. and hands um, being held out to lift somebody up. Instead, they're pushing somebody down and mm-hmm. trying to make that, you know, lift themselves up. And so um, that that I think creative engagement to me says it's about... Um, being authentic, being able to be spontaneous and silly in a safe place, yeah, where where you're accepted um, and and you're honored, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that it's it's very very much needed in in all of life, but in the arena of dementia care, I think it's extremely important, mm-hmm. um, especially because we hear so many people being isolated. Um, Craig, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, the, the one point that many brought up is about the training with the uh, vaccinations and the, the training that goes with that. Um, it's a valid, very valid point because I think if you don't, if you don't have dementia, it's very hard to understand what the person is going through. So training in any part to train people that they have, you know, train people that don't have dementia, what it's like to have dementia is a good thing going in for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And I recently did the certification course with Dementor Raw. They were here on the show. And I know they've done some work with um, doing some kind of sensory manipulation stuff and, and ways to to help people better understand some of those actual experiences um, or even social experiences where you might go somewhere um, and go to order some food and, and kind of pause and take like a good 10 seconds, you know, and um, just in, in trying to take in the menu and the background noise and, and things like that and, and that what that 10 second pause does to your interaction, you know, how, how uncomfortable you might feel or the person might feel, or sometimes it goes really smoothly and you feel reassured in society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think the more we can do that, the best. And I, I believe that it is about stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, And if people can practice doing that in a safe space uh, with, with that specific intention, I think that they're far better off uh, when they're, dealing with those different situations. Um, one of my mentors, Jeannie Brinley Barnett from McPhail, who does the Giving Voices Choir, mm-hmm. or chorus, technically, she always says, there's no wrong in this room. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong in this room. And I've been using that mantra too. And of course, having to apply it to myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with creative engagement, I've worked with Usually if I go to a memory care, for example, there's people in varying stages of dementia and different personalities, of course, and we use everything. We use sound and gesture and words. We make up our own words. We, you know, and we, it's just kind of an anything goes type of environment. Um, And it's super fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned poetry uh, earlier. What do you do with poetry? Oh, just about anything. I mean, I found that rhymes and rhythm can really help. Um, Like, I know there's a lot being done right now with physical therapy, putting music along with that walking. Mm -hmm. There's something about rhythm that helps us move better. Um, So sometimes I find that if I can rhyme my words or sort of naturally make a little ditty out of things. I think I even said today in my, I put a post up about coming here. I was like, going to go play today. Talk about Shay's way. (laughs) And and I find that like, once I start rhyming, people do, they sort of light up and loosen up and laugh. Um, So poetry in its very simple, simple form, sort of a Shel Silverstein type form. um, That's one way. And then of course, classic poetry, if I'm working with people who are older, and they maybe are in their 80s and they used to memorize poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have yet to meet someone who doesn't know. Um, there was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she mm-hmm. was good, she was very, very good. When she was bad, she was horrid. I might not have said that exactly right, but um, anyone about 80 plus usually can, can finish that poem because they needed to memorize it in school. Um, so sometimes I'll just start a line of a poem and then kind of let it sit in the air and someone will grab it up and finish it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then there's kind of that moment of mastery and like, Hey, I know that. And I get a lot of the statements. See, I do remember. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and then also poetry making. So, um, Zoe Bird with the Alzheimer's Poetry Project in Minnesota. Um, she leads poetry group. She'd be great to have on the show too. I can connect you guys. Um, yeah, I had her and uh, Gary Glazner on. Oh, good. Perfect. Probably a couple, oh, it's probably been 
maybe even three years ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, I went to one of their their events and um, was just a lot of fun. You know, yeah. Gary's just such a silly yes. character. Yes. He's got a great book out too. I can't remember the name of it, but Gary Glazner, and it's poetry something. I'll have to look it up. And Sparking Memories, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's Poetry Project. If you Google dementia arts, mm-hmm. you'll find a lot on Gary. Yeah, he trained me over Skype. Okay, and that was a couple of years ago, and. Yeah, he he got me to come out of my shell, and <laughs> <laughs> because I I remember there was a time I can literally go back in time and remember a couple distinctive life experiences that taught me don't act wild, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Behave. Yep. And then I so now I'm trying to like rid myself of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, any kind of classic poetry is great to use, and then also just taking the lines that people say and writing them down and saying, look, we've got a poem and reciting mm-hmm. it and doing the call and response where you say a line and, and then they repeat a line. Um, it gets everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing a, a poem with Zoe and, and uh, a Gary, and it was pretty interesting how they just get the whole, whole group going. Exactly. And then to have it printed. Um, it's just really powerful once those words are are meshed together, and yeah. it's just a, and then you can re-experience it and twist mm-hmm. it and in things. So yeah, very mm-hmm. very neat. Um, a lot a lot of fun. Now uh, you know one of the things you had alluded to earlier was about how how this whole thing with Shay's way has kind of impacted your own spirituality. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit more on that? Yeah, um, I think that. And I'm, I might misquote, I mean, I'm not quoting, but I believe that in the Native American tradition, um, they they look at, at people with, I don't even know if they would use the term dementia, but they they look at that as the experience of dementia and the expressions of things that are maybe otherworldly. They, they look at it as... Um, that these people are spiritual connectors, Mm -hmm. you know, that because they say something like they see something that isn't there or they say something that might not register with us, um, as quote reality, they believe that they're actually in tune with something, Mm -hmm. something beyond what we can see. And it's, it's glorified and it's valued. And I have to say that, I don't know if it's because I have Native American in me or what, but that really just from spending time in this field for the last five, seven years and experiencing all different types of situations and people, I got to say there's something to that and Mm -hmm. how beautiful would our situation be, you know, as dementia care advocates. And if, if everybody thought that way, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That, um, there were answers in this. Um, so yeah, it's, it's made me really intrigued to look at different spiritual leaders and, and while not necessarily getting, super involved in one particular religion just to kind of look at people that have had challenging experiences and how they've handled it. And it usually does all boil down to um, being really firmly rooted in um, having daily rituals that connect Mm -hmm. you with yourself, uh, being mindful of how you are with people, um, being in the present moment like I was speaking of. Um, And so really it's kind of like in the end, what my experiences with these challenging experiences with people living with dementia and being in work environments that can sometimes be um, difficult and pose deep, deep 
uh, concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helped me is basically the moral of the story as opposed to frightened me or made me want to look away. Mm-hmm. It's made me more intrigued. Yeah, I, I know with, with my mom and, and Craig, I want to ask you about this, but yeah. uh, there's moments where she would just be um, go into almost like a really deep place. Yeah. And yet she, and sometimes she would be talking to people. Um, other times she would just sit with just the the most content look and almost a glint in her eye where I just, as an outsider looking in at her, um, I didn't feel like she was alone. And I thought, you know, um, people talk about passing over and was she talking to the other side or, you know, I don't, I don't know. All I know is there was something else that was deeper. And in one time she was just even eating a piece of uh, corn on the cob mm-hmm. and she like left her body. And I remember her just being so happy and so, so connected to that corn on the cob. And I just wanted whatever she had because she was yeah. just so joyful and you could, you could really like sense it. You could see it, you could feel it. Um, I, what do you think about comments like that? Um, Craig, is that just all, you know, cray cray to you or, <laughs> or, or, um, or do you think that there can be, um, some other connections that we don't know are happening? I find it quite interesting. Um, validating actually to think that someone actually thinks of us in a different way. Um, like we talked about this morning when I hallucinate, it's it's hard to describe, and it's hard to for people to imagine what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And the Indian culture look at us as like a special type of person. That's kind of interesting. I'll have to do some re- more research on that. Yeah, yeah. I I just I, I have. There were just so many times with my mom that it was just they were such powerful, powerful moments, mm-hmm. and there were no words really spoken. Um, you know, between us, but it was just this overwhelming sense of, of belonging and peacefulness. I, I, you know, I guess I was lucky enough to not see the other side where maybe she could have been scared. Um, though I have experienced that with, with other people. Um, and, and you just know their reality is someplace different than where you're standing. Mm-hmm. And it's so deep and it's so real and you just, you can't deny it. Of course, you know, yeah. it's, it's really, it's, it's, um, it's as real as the ground we stand on. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's, it, it shouldn't be accepted or validated. Absolutely. I think that's usually, I mean, I think all people, having interactions all day come from a different reality. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's that, that one inside their noggin. And <laughs> um, so it can apply to just about everyone. And yeah, I creative engagement, it leaves a great space for accepting anything. I mean, I had a gentleman that would consistently bring a, a friend named Dr. Borowski to every group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doctor, I couldn't see Dr. Borowski, but I could certainly ask him about Dr. Borowski and mm-hmm. welcome Dr. Borowski um, because the more the merrier, you know, and um, I think it's about just being comfortable with, with being able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of, 
always looking for um, something that's wrong and just mm-hmm. accepting that that's that's where they're at and um, yeah and that it's totally it totally feels real yes I mean how how um, why does it have to be so difficult for us to accept other people's realities. I, there's some science behind it. I just don't know it all too factually to say it. But I'm reading an interesting book called Mindwise right now, which explores a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Mindwise. Yeah. If you wanted to look it up, it's a really good one. And yeah, and also when you do fully accept and validate someone else's reality, you, you really have to stick with it. You know, mm-hmm. I see a lot of when I worked in skilled nursing, it's like, Someone would say, um, if they saw a child, you know, one woman would, whenever I went into her room, she'd say, oh, I've been watching your baby. I'm so glad you're here. And I would wholeheartedly thank her and we'd check in and, and I couldn't do it in any sort of mocking way. Like, oh yeah, thanks for Mm -hmm. watching my baby. You know, it needed, really needed to be carried out fully, Mm -hmm. um, as though she really was watching my baby and, you know, we we got it all figured out and squared away and thank you. Thank you. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's big when you do, when you do accept someone's reality, yeah, you, you have to stick with it pretty firmly and you also have to work in a team that knows that they're all going to support that. And that's another thing that dementia raw trains Mm -hmm. people to do in those environments is to really, um, everybody's sort of acting in that scene now, you know, and you, you don't even have to call it acting but mm-hmm. you're you're a part of that scene and you're all supporting each other in in that reality of yep. of where they're at at that time. Well, and I think that's one place where things really fall down is you can have somebody who accepts a reality and then the next kind of tag team person is like, "No, I don't think so." Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to get back to my reality. Yeah. And, and there's and so then the poor person with dementia is just I, I would if it was me, that would just trigger me off even more. It was yes. like, okay, I was in a safe place. Now I'm really not again. Yes, and, and it, yeah, it can be hard. And how how confusing, Craig? What are your thoughts on that? I was just going to ask Mindy, how do the people react when you validate that? Like with this, the guy, the man with the uh, doctor friend. Yeah. When you validate that he's actually there, how do they react to that? They, as in the the person with dementia that sees the person, or the surrounding yeah. observers, they the person that, that sees the person. They usually what? re react pretty calmly. You know, we we elab- either elaborate elaborate on the situation or don't. In some cases, when I really go there with someone, um, sometimes I've seen where somebody is is adamant about their personal situation, like somebody has stolen something from me, for example. You know, if someone says, I had my wallet and I don't have it anymore and I don't know where it is and the police call the police, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm sort of switching the scenario, but it's a little easier to describe. So, you know, if I say something like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. You had the wallet and I'll kind of, I'll do the same thing that I would do with with anyone else that was concerned about their wallet. And sometimes what I'll find is even though at the end of the day that person maybe hadn't been carrying their wallet on them for a long time, that's where they were at at that moment. They were concerned about their wallet and they weren't thinking that anyone around them was really being their friend about it. So once I step in and I'm their friend about it and I'm kind of like, well, geez, yeah, that's huge. You you feel like you're missing something and kind of validate that feeling. 
sometimes slowly they'll come around and kind of recognize, you know, I don't actually think I had my wallet, you mm-hmm. know, and and they'll come around on their own through having been validated, you know, and so and then maybe in the case of saying, oh, Dr. Borowski's here, you know, well, we go in increments of time where, you know, I can accept that he's here, we keep going, and then a few moments pass and maybe that person doesn't believe Dr. Borowski is there any longer, you know, so it's sort of many different situations can come of it, but it's it's never been unsuccessful for me to, to go with exactly where someone's at. It really has never, never failed. Mm-hmm. Well, and- you're bringing them, going along with them, bringing, bringing in the present. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then that usually builds a trust that if we need to segue into something else, um, it's far more natural to do that. So someone might say, oh, well, if you only have two minutes to get this person somewhere, you don't have the time to mm-hmm. to go there. You know, what are you supposed to do? Say that you'll bring them home and give them false promise? Well, there's a lot of ways you can answer to somebody saying, I want to go home. You you don't have to say, I'll bring you there. You can say, gosh, I do too. Mm-hmm. Like, I miss the smell of my home. I have this certain aroma I use. And, you know, what does your home smell like? And just sort of start that conversation and then say, oh, well, we're both here. I heard there's food in the dining room. Let's go. You know, so you you don't have to totally steer themselves, them in the direction of, like, a whole new plan. Um, you just, it's, it's that connection. It's that trust. Mm-hmm. And then you can go from there. We reroute them basically. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And I like that you said reroute because it's, we use the word term redirect a lot and you know, yeah, there's, there's truth to that. The redirection, it, it works. But if you try to redirect without validating and building trust, I don't, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a severe wound. You mm-hmm. know, it's like people need to, to talk about these things. You know, if they're missing home, they need to talk about what's related to home. And, you know, all t- basically the, the not fun stuff, you know, the, you know, grief and loss and hardship. Like people are not given a space to, to talk about that. And I think it rears its ugly head through through behaviors and things if you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um well, and it's just, you know, when you're saying about, you know, validating somebody, that always relaxes us. You know, yeah. when you think somebody gets you, you relax. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, if I've lost my keys or my purse or whatever the heck I've lost, if I'm stressed out, my chances of finding that are a lot less mm-hmm. than if I can have a calm approach. Right. Because then I, then I might have the ability to track back. Yes. And, and figure it out. And I would think the same applies to somebody with dementia, even though we know tracking back can be difficult and may or may not work. They still might be able to give us some clues, you know, yes. for us to be able to help if if they can't connect the dots as well mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Um, so, Craig, for you, I, I, I just I want to make sure that I'm interpreting this right. Um when you are are more stressed out, when you feel like someone's not getting you, um, does that complicate your world? Then does that is that stressful to you? Not so much complicating; it's frustrating because mm-hmm. it's hard to get your point across um, when you when you know what you're trying to say, but you know it doesn't make sense to that other to that other person. 
mm-hmm. it's more of a frustration issue to me than it is um, complicating. But it does it does get you uh, worked up to the point where you you actually, like you said, you don't relax and you you start thinking about different things and what you should be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Do you? It's just frustration on the most part. For the most part. So when you're yeah. frustrated, do you find yourself spinning a little bit more and not being able to maybe concentrate on something else? I mean, that, I know for me that happens. Yes, okay. very much so. I guess that's what I was, what I meant by complicated. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just um, you're messing with me, kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> type deal. And Absolutely. then I get my dander up, and I want to make my point across even more sometimes. And and then other times, you know, you just want to walk away and. And I kind of, it makes me chuckle thinking of that because then like if, if somebody with dementia kind of gets their dander up and wants to make their point, now they're mad, you know, and then they mm-hmm. ha- they have an issue. It has nothing to do with us who caused the issue. I mean, that's how it's usually viewed. Or if you're like, okay, I'm just walking away from this because I'm angry or I'm disengaged, whatever. Right. Oh, now, you know, now there's something wrong and then they're chasing after you because you're isolating, but you're isolating because it's irritating. <laughs> Exactly. Which again, they could control, but choose yeah. not to yep. <laughs> in that fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's viewed as a behavior yep. instead of a normal response. Yes, exactly. And something like that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Um, Mindy, how can listeners become more creatively engaged in their own life? Do you have some pointers? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are certainly people that are more drawn to the arts and I I would encourage those people to of course continue being creatively engaged in and maintaining that. I also always encourage people to recognize that we can reinvent ourselves at any time. And I know my mom is um, approaching retirement and I gave her a book called, I think it's called the creative age. And it talks about how with age, we actually, our right and left brain start to become more synchronized and we become more creative. Um, And although there are thoughts and theories about potentially losing a bit of memory, um, there we get, there's a lot of gain and we can understand the gist of things more quickly and be more creative and give great advice. And so... I would say for people to recognize that and to, um, I think that creative engagement can happen at any moment. I think sometimes it's the difference between asking someone, how was your day? And saying something like, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? (laughs) Lori, (laughs) if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Well, that's kind of funny because right now I'm thinking I would be an elephant and don't ask me where that one came from. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) And I just picture having this big horn and being able to grab the water and spit it out at somebody. I don't know. There you go. (laughs) So, yes. But yeah, asking those open-ended questions and being okay, you know, with the answers and um, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And if if situations get get tense, just kind of being silly. Um, I Improv classes really help. I know that the Brave New Workshop in Minnesota offers wonderful um, level one improv classes where, you know, you're not signing on to like a commitment of, you know, becoming a, a theatrical person. It's everyday improv, you mm-hmm. know, so you do games and exercises that just sort of help you 
embrace the moment and recognize your creativity and um, things like word association and just kind of going, just kind of loosening up. So yeah, anything from small things of just asking yourself, you know, what's creative in me? You know, do I have, do I have a creative flair? It could be cooking, it could be making things. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be painting or writing a song, you know, Mm -hmm. but it can be. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say. Okay. Um, and, and I think sometimes people think that their personal passions aren't big enough to be shared or they're not good enough to be shared. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think you have to find those people in your life that you're comfortable sharing with Mm -hmm. and just tell yourself, I'm going to at least share it with them and then I'm going to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I, if I do workshops for family caregivers, I like to say, you know, I don't want to overwhelm you and make you think that all of a sudden you have to become some sort of creative engagement taskmaster, you know, mm-hmm. and that all you're going to wake up in the morning and think about what art supplies you need. Basically, think of someone in your life, especially those people that say, mm-hmm. how can I help? You know, there are so many times when something goes, you know, people get bad news and they say, gosh, how can I help? And somebody doesn't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. But if you can say, hey, you know, I noticed that you really like, you're a really good listener. Can mm-hmm. you come for an hour once a week on this day and listen to my loved one who likes to share stories and sometimes I'm just would really rather do laundry. Mm-hmm. Can you come and listen? Mm-hmm. Or can you come and type it or write it down? Mm-hmm. Or you know, if you know someone that's really crafty, you can say, oh, can you come and try this project out? You know, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to work, but could you just come on this day at this time and just try it out? It would mean so much. So if you just got more strategic, if you yourself aren't sort of um, excited about creativity, that's okay. But is there someone in your life that is that you could delegate to? Um, Sometimes it's about becoming a leader when you didn't know you had to be. And Mm -hmm. so you you know, I've read a lot of business books, actually, because it's it's like the art of, yeah, being creative is can be sometimes more like imagining who in your life is creative and then delegating things to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you're a planner or a scheduler, you can you can figure out um, how to delegate that creativity. And if you know anyone that plays music, oh, can you come over once a month and do like a musical thing while I go and nap? You know, mm-hmm. so that you feel like that, that creative engagement's happening and maybe you can even get a break because of it. And then people can feel part of something like. Yep. Well, and that would be a, a great place to uh, try that intergenerational piece Oh, gosh, too. yeah, yeah. What a great opportunity. So many times, they, you know, I hear kids say, especially with dementia, you know, I want to help, but no one will tell me about it. Yeah. Nobody lets me in. Oh, and, yeah. and they have all this energy and they've got ideas and, you know, they want to help their loved one. They want to be part of their life, but they can't be because mm-hmm. adults think, oh, this is serious business. Right. And we don't want to burden them, you know, with what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of that doom and gloom thing takes over instead of really focusing on, hey, there's still a lot of joy to be had here. So let's Let's find every crumb that exists and start exactly. looking for those things. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I did a full like workshop with Zoe Bird at the Meaning of the Minds last week. And we meant to talk on intergenerational, but we went through the whole presentation and, you know, shared a bunch of new ideas. And it wasn't until the end that somebody raised their hand and said, 
but the the greatest gift as I'm taking care of my husband right now is little kids. Mm-hmm. I, I think she said little people, you mm-hmm. know, or little ones, something <laughs> yep. like that. And we said, oh my gosh, thanks for bringing that up because of course, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're spot on. You know, all of these things can be done um, with really, I'd say probably eight years old plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you can have toddlers hanging around bopping a balloon and, you know, Yeah, they're always fun to watch. Yeah. And, um, yeah, even when you had asked me for favorite sounds, I should have said the giggles of my granddaughters. You know, that just kind of makes me melt, too. And so sometimes it doesn't have to be full onset engagement where there's conversation or interaction. Sometimes it's just sitting watching something that that gives you pleasure. You know, and that's perfectly, perfectly fine and, Mm -hmm. and is good for all. Oh, yeah. I always say babies are like bonfires. Mm-hmm. People just sit around and stare at them. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Craig, any last questions that you have for Mindy? Uh, just to comment on what she was talking about with the the, the youth, um, the, the talent that is there nowadays compared to when I was in school um, is remarkable. And a lot of times all these kids need to do is all they, all they need to do is have them help you is to just ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and they're they're more than willing to come forward and and help with anything you want, especially in my church. Um, but they said the talent, the talent alone that they have and they possess that they're not even aware of is, is really remarkable. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Any Anything else you'd like to share with our audience, Mindy? Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and best contact information I have for you um, is Shay's Away, uh, your community page on Facebook, and that's S-H-A-Y apostrophe S and then Way. Um, and then your email is an interesting one. It's yes and thank you at gmail.com. Yes and thank you at gmail.com. Um, and you also have a Facebook page with yes and thank you yeah. on there too. So wonderful. Um, if they search by Shay's way on Facebook, will they be able to find you Yep, that way too? Yep. Okay. And you can look up Mindy Bolton too. I think by now, if you Google Mindy Bolton, um, most of my websites will pop up, whether it be minnesotaartist.org or the community page. And one of these days I will have a website. Mm-hmm. I just am still doing the honing in on how I'll present everything. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really, really appreciate appreciate your time, uh, Craig and Mindy, both um, to this uh, conversation about uh, Shay's Way and a new approach to uh, to dementia care. Yes. Thank you. And it was great to talk to you, Craig and Lori. Very interesting. Right. Well, for our listeners, I'm just going to throw out a couple more plugs here. Um, we are on the Alive and Social Network. All of our episodes are um, archived, so we've been doing this for like six years, so you can go back and listen to them all. You might want to check out one of my colleagues who has a show called uh, What's for Dinner Tonight. Rachel Perrin is the culinary director for Kowalski's Market, and her and her sidekick, Adam Lee, do a fun little show. It's only usually 10 or 15 minutes long. But if you're hungry and trying to figure out what to eat, they got all kinds of good ideas. They chat about seasonal foods and uh, favorite flavors, all kinds of stuff. And you can also get, excuse me, the frog in my throat. No, (coughs) you can also get uh, 
full menu ideas on kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S. I also want to give a, uh, a shout out um, to anybody who is interested in going to our conference cruise, November 18th through the 19th, which is a Caribbean cruise on Holland America. Um, we are going to have um, just a wonderful time and some great sessions, uh, very similar to what we do on Dementia Chats, except we'll be able to interact with our audience. And um, our experts who are joining us on that cruise at this time are Harry Urban, Michael Ellenbogen, Lori Shearer, and Mary Reed. And then it'll be myself and Cindy Luzinski um, from Colorado. Uh, what else can I tell you here? Our last Dementia Chats really got a lot of chatter, um, just wonderful, wonderful comments um, in fact, one woman um, got a hold of me and said she did a 12-hour binge watch on on our YouTube channel <laughs> with uh, this and said everybody needs to watch the Dementia Chats. Our last one was on communication, and our experts all have dementia, and they talk about how they'd like to be communicated with. Um, you'll learn how th- some of their senses change, how their emotions and behaviors are affected by surroundings, and just so much more. Um, come, let's see, in May 20th, I'm going to be at St. Therese in Woodbury. We're going to be doing a preview of His Neighbor Phil. And um, our latest blog posts, uh, you can get 20% off the new edition, which is the sixth edition of the 36-hour day that will become available in April. And there's also a new trial for mild Alzheimer's. So spread the word on that one. Uh, until next time, keep uh, your memory chip, which is one of the tools we have on Alzheimer's Speaks in Mind, um, and just focus on, is your loved one or your client safe, happy, and pain-free? Take care, everyone. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors, from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.